Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to Oz Business Radio's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Thursday afternoon, just gone midday. That is, of course, time for the call. 10 stocks that you suggest, two experts, one hour. We get through them all and delighted to have on the team today, Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners. Adam, good to see you. Good, thank you. Busy well, week? Good, good to be here, very busy. Oh, what's, Absolutely. Been the, what's been the focus? Well, you know, some of these banks giving yep. us some good uh, information yesterday from APRA, but really it's just reporting season about oh, to start to yes. hit up. We've got Rio last night, we've got yep. Macquarie today. It's just only going to get busier from now on. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel good about it? I do. Reporting season? I'm, I'm, I'm always an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because so, we've got some, yeah, some different sure views do. in the market at the we moment. sure do. Also sure joining do. the panel today, always great to have Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Howard, good to see you. Yeah, good to be with you, David and Adam. Um, yeah. yeah, reporting season is the best time of the year. It's when we actually hear from the people who, the stewards of our money, how well they've been stewarding it. Yeah. Are you excited? What's your what's your feeling going into earnings season? Are you uh, uh, are you you prepared for the worst or do you think it could be a, a bit better than the doomsayers are predicting? Well, I think it's going to be a mixture. The companies that were always badly run anyway will probably use COVID as a perfect excuse to show how badly run they were, but they won't blame themselves. They'll blame COVID. And um, the companies that were really strong and well-run beforehand probably have used this as an opportunity to gain market share from their weaker competitors and uh, may well produce uh, really outstanding results. So uh, I think downturns are always a time when the weak get weaker and the strong get stronger. And seeing as about two-thirds of the stock exchange never makes a profit, this year they're going to have a perfect excuse for why they didn't make a profit. And it's, and yet you quite rightly look out for uh, those companies that sort of clear the decks of all the skeletons in the cupboard and blame COVID and skeletons they probably should have got uh, rid of a little while ago. Hey, let's take a look at um, our stock of the day. Not one stock. Uh, I always choose one to look at. And I thought following on from, uh, from Adam's comments a little earlier that... Uh, Let's focus on the big four banks. A real darling of, of private investors, retail investors, um, have had to cut their dividends. Share prices suffered as a result, largely because the regulator, APRA, back in end of March, April, was saying, hey, don't pay everything out in dividends. You've got to shore things up, shore the business up. Um, don't focus on giving shareholders returns. We want you to give customers returns. Well, yesterday... APRA started to ease those regulations saying, yep, um, pay more dividends, make sure it's not more than 50% of earnings, but we're going to give you the flexibility to increase dividends, which to a lot of retail investors who do depend on dividend yield, big four banks 
have been uh, really the way of doing this and, and they've been hamstrung recently. Mm. Adam, uh, what do you think of uh, number one of APRA's decision and is it going to help the big four banks? Well, number one, I thought it was a good decision from APRA, certainly that by um, saying that, look, the, the, the guidance or potentially that the system still remains intact. And I think that yep. that's great that, you know, the banks and we'll go back Which to... Which is G good confidence for us. Absolutely. Economy, absolutely. But, you know, we go back to GFC times. The banks had to keep that regulatory capital higher. Yeah. They made sure that their tier one capital over the last 10 years had to be higher than potentially normally. To, to weather the storm that potentially what we're seeing at the moment. So yep. the banks already were very much in that, uh, in the right space and, and being re regulatory capital always being there. However, it is a great news for the banks. It hasn't really moved the banks today. Mm. Like it, it moved CBA yesterday and a little bit today, CBA's up another 27 cents, but the other banks haven't really moved. So I'm sort of a little bit perplexed as to why um, that APRA is probably giving it a half of a green light to sort of keep moving, but the banks really haven't reacted. But I've now started talking to some of my clients about to getting back into the banks right. due to the fact that this is a, 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 a yeah, half of a green light to start right. moving back into that. And I think it's a good sign. And it certainly does mean that, you know, I think it's well worth it for the banks to reduce dividends. We saw that through the global financial crisis. It took them a couple of years to get back those dividends and start giving them back to shareholders. But, you know, speaking to the older ladies today, you know, who, who rely on those bank dividends, she said, one of the ladies said to me, am I going to get some dividends? And I said, look, now we think 50% yep. ratio, payout ratio, we think there will be some more dividends coming. And she was very relieved. So who's the most likely of the big four to be able to pay out the dividends and the most dividends? So ComBank, yes. Right. ComBank should be able to pay most of that because they're selling their CFS Gandal business or their, right. their funds management business. So yes, there's money coming into the coffers. CBA, definitely. Uh, and from there, look, NAB's probably the one that paid a little bit of a dividend. Westpac and ANZ didn't pay the last half. Yeah. So I think ANZ's probably something that you might need to be careful of. Westpac should be able to, NAB will pay it, and albeit reduced, it's going right. to be reduced, no doubt about it. Uh, so I think all four banks, plus even Macquarie, will, will pay a dividend. Right. It's just how much is now right. the next question. Okay, but CBA is your preference? I think so, yes, okay. and I think Howard would agree with me yeah. on that one. Howard, uh, what do you think? You've, you've never been a great fan of the big four banks from a, a I think uh, you refer to them as capital killers sometimes, but, um, but the fact they're going to, increase their dividend payout, does that make you think of them more kindly at this level of their share price? Well, really, there are two ways you can get dividends from companies that you invest in, uh, or if I call it better, income. The one is when the company declares a dividend and pays some of it out, out of their earnings, some portion of it, as the banks now are being allowed to, as Adams pointed out, up to 50%. Alternatively, you could sell, if you wanted a 5% return, you could sell 5% of your shares. And it's pretty much the same sort of thing. Now, the problem with the banks and why we don't like them, I, I don't think we've ever really thought they're capital killers, but they sort of slow burn capital killers. They gradually getting worth less other than the Commonwealth, which I absolutely agree with Adam is the best one. Um, but if you look at the other three, it's not surprising that their share prices today are significantly lower than they were 10 years ago because their earnings per share are significantly lower than they were 10 years ago. So sure, you may have been getting a dividend for of say 7% a year, just taking a ballpark figure through the years, 
but you've also had the share price going down on average by about three and a half percent a year. So you've really only been getting three and a half percent a year, which doesn't sound nearly as attractive. Commonwealth is different. Their earnings per share have grown about 50 percent, uh, but less, about 40 percent, I think it is, uh, over 10 years. So hardly surprisingly, their share price has gone up. So your dividend there has been a real dividend in that the value of your money hasn't gone down. But in the other three, um, the value of your asset has gradually gone down over the years while they paid you a dividend. So it's very hard to get enthusiastic. And if you look into the future, why would the banks be able to grow faster than the economy? I can't see any reason why they would grow faster than the economy. And if they can't grow faster than the economy, there have to be better places for team invest members to put their money than in banks, uh, with the possible exception of the Commonwealth, which has been growing marginally faster than the economy. Okay. All right. So, uh, so good for the banks and uh, CBA would be the preference from, uh, from Howard and uh, Adam, if, uh, if any of them. All right. Let's uh, get stuck into your um, suggestions, your 10 stocks that you'd like us to take a look at. First one is Aaron and uh, from Aaron and Howard. Uh, Aaron would like an opinion on Incitec Pivot which is the, uh, the big fertiliser explosives um, uh, supplier, very big in agriculture and also mining with the, with the explosives and I suppose is uh, very much dependent on the, those two sectors. Um, Howard, Incitec Pivot? Yeah, well, it would be nice if their, their earnings per share was exploding too, um, in a good way rather than in a bad way. But if you look at their earnings per share over 10 years, uh, they were earning 27 cents a share 10 years ago, 32 cents nine years ago, 25 cents eight years ago. Nowadays, they're down to about 11 or 12 cents. So this is a company that's been going backwards, largely because one of their big input costs is uh, gas prices, and gas prices have been going the wrong way for Incitec Pivot. So uh, their return on equity has been low for the last seven years. It hasn't even got close to 10% a year. So it's highly unlikely that we could get a good return out of this company over the long term. Um, it's not on a particularly high PE ratio, so there could be a bit of an opportunity to trade it. But as a long-term investment, uh, team invest members would look at this and shudder and, and avoid it. It's not that it's not a profitable company, but it's, it's earnings per share shrinking. Yeah. Adam? Oh, look, I agree. Um, you know, it, 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 it's been a tough business. You'd think over the last six to 12 months with the commodity prices and the way commodity stocks have moved, yeah. this thing should do well just on the back of them, on their exposure to the mining sector. But obviously that fertiliser sector, and, and, and as, as uh, Howard rightly points out, input costs are huge. Their ammonia costs are huge as well going into that. So there's, and the DAP pricing as well. So there's a lot of these other things that sort of sit in the background with, uh, with Inside Tech Pivot that, that don't allow it to, to move forward. Um, all of those clients that took up the SPP or the share purchase plan at $2, the current stock sitting at $1.89, they're underwater as well. Yeah. That's a clear indication that the potentially this thing isn't going to do well. I'm a seller of this stock. Anytime I've got it in clients' portfolio, we move yeah. out of it. Yeah, and they suspended dividend, deferred capital expenditure, all the all sort marks. of triggers is a, yeah. that you avoid. All right, Aaron, there you go. There's your opinion on Incitec Pivot. Um, uh, Adam, BWP Trust, 
Um, basically, a retail investment trust, isn't it, that owns all the Bunnings yeah. stores yeah. uh, through Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So, look, it's an interesting business, uh, the, 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 the trust, because Bunnings has done very, very well. I mean, mm. you know, it, it, Wes Farmers owns it. If you buy Wes Farmers, you're basically hitching your wagon to Bunnings yep. now that Coles has now moved on. Um, and, uh, and Bunnings has done very well. But the Bunnings Trust as a business, I'm not too f- much of a fan. Um, it, it does look expensive up here. It would have been fantastic under that sort of $3 mark. I think that's where you, you could have definitely uh, did some work on it. But look, certainly here, I think it's all about whale, which is the weighted average lease expiry date or the, the, how long these leases are. And that's yeah. what you've got to be looking for in any kind of REIT. The business is very good, but I just think it's too expensive up here. Right. Okay. Howard? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Adam. I'm not enthused about it. You know, if West Farmers really believed that their return on equity on the properties would be really good, they wouldn't have put the properties separately to <laughs> a trust. Yeah. They would have kept them. So West Farmers is really saying we can make much more money out of Bunnings and other things we do than we could ever make out of, out of the property. As an investor, I then say, well, I can also make far more money out of Bunnings by owning West Farmers or uh, money for myself by owning West Farmers than I can out of owning the trust that owns the properties. Um, Return on equity has been around about 6% average, 6.5% probably average over the last six years. That's not going to give us a great investment, except when the share price really collapses, as it did in March, but it's now back up again. So you may have wanted to trade it in March, but as a long-term investment, yeah. uh, we would want to hold it. We're going to get sort of bombarded with those results oh, over the next couple of weeks, which absolutely. is good, in, particularly in this uncertain environment. Uh, Howard, our, our next stock, our third stock's being suggested by Shane. I'd actually never heard of it. Uh, it's called Laser Bond, and it's a surface engineering company. It's been going since 1992. And apparently it's sort of... Um, puts a surface on big machinery components so that they last longer from what I can mm. can gather from reading about it. And just recently bought another surface engineering company called United Service Technologies. Not for much, only just over a million dollars. Um, do you know much about it? No, David, I don't. And in fact, your description uh, w- w- was about as much as I'd figured out about it too. I, I sort of joked uh, to myself uh, about it that uh, I did physics rather than doing engineering. And the reason I didn't do engineering is the kind of things like, you know, the actual how long a part was going to last and putting coatings on it really wouldn't have turned me on. Theoretical <laughs> physics was far more interesting. Um, but I'm not a <laughs> Yeah, Adam really doesn't want to know what turns you on, Howard. But anyhow, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the business has been certainly, it's a tiny little company, but it's been doing quite well recently. You know, a return on equity used to be really terrible, uh, but it's been growing nicely, 15.8%, 12.5% and 27.9% the last three years. Uh, the earnings per share still pretty low, but growing over the last three years. Sales per share growing quite nicely off a very low base. And... Um, it's on a fairly low PE ratio of about 14 and a half. So um, for a tiny little tiddler that um, it, normally these things don't make a profit, 
it's making a profit, or at least it has been for the last few years, seems to be moving in the right direction. I don't think any of our team invest members would like it. It doesn't yet pass our filters. Uh, I wouldn't particularly want to own it in my own portfolio, but it certainly looks interestingly interesting enough to at least keep a look at uh, for the next year or two and uh, be interesting to see when it reports in uh, uh, sometime in August. I don't know the date it's reporting, but it'll be interesting to see when it reports yeah. if it's yeah. continued the upward trend in, in terms of earnings. Okay, there you go, Shane. Uh, it's great when you can suggest stocks that we learn more about mm. and although Howard wouldn't invest in it, it's it's an interesting business that, that makes some money. Adam, what do you think of it? Yeah, so when, when you when you look at a stock, the first thing that I do look at is uh, market cap, yep. uh, how many shares are on issue, and then obviously look at uh, the board of directors and sort of trying to get a feel, and then obviously what they do and everything else going forward. So market cap of 41 uh, million, so not to stretch, but uh, 95 million shares on issue again. So look, it looks okay. It doesn't trade a lot for me, so I'd be right. very careful. We call them lobster pots. Easy to get in, but hard to get out. So be careful with that because there's not a lot of shares being traded on this one. So that, that that's definitely a caution for me. Um, they did have their executive director retire around the 30th of June. So I don't know what's going on there. And that was uh, uh, one of the exec directors in there that had been there for about six years. So potentially there's some issues going on inside that and then that you need to be careful of. Um, but look, all in all, looks like an interesting business making some acquisitions. That says to me potentially there's growth by acquisition, not organic growth. Mm -hmm. So we also need to be careful of that because then you look at the earnings per share and those kinds of things. And that's been able to be kept up by yeah. that growth by acquisition. Pays a small dividend, 2%, paid half a cent uh, at the beginning of this year. So look, making a little bit of profit, giving back to shareholders as well. So it's something that I would say hold. I yep. wouldn't be buying it because of that illiquidity or that, that, yep. that it doesn't trade a lot. But overall, look, looks like an okay little business. Okay. Yeah. All right, our uh, fourth stock, uh, Beacon Lighting, Australia's uh, biggest specialist retailer of lighting, ceiling fans and light globes. If you watch television or listen to radio, you They're would have everywhere. heard or seen a yeah. beacon lighting uh, uh, ad, um, mainly targeting the upper to uh, to middle residential lighting market. Uh, 110 stores across all states and territory. Company owns 100 of the stores for a franchise. Uh, Howard, beacon lighting hasn't been going too bad, has it, in, in this environment? No, it in fact passes our filters, but I'm surprised to see that despite its excellent return on equity and the fact that it hasn't got a lot of debt, uh, we've had a building boom going on for a number of years, probably slowed down now, but it had been going on for a number of years, and yet their earnings per share haven't really gone anywhere since 2014. So in the last six years, earnings per share have stayed pretty flat. They went up a bit in 2018 went down again in 2019. So um, it, it's not a company that uh, seems to deliver on the promise that it ought to have. So, you know, when you see a company that's in an industry that's booming, like building and home renovations, and their earnings per share aren't growing, that's not a great sign. But then having said that, it's on a fairly undemanding PE ratio, and it does have good return on equity and low debt pays a dividend. So uh, it's not a terrible company, as I say, it passes our filters, but our members would probably look at it, talk about it, and then decide 
they didn't want to invest because the earnings aren't growing. And if the earnings aren't growing, the share price won't grow in the long term either. Yeah, and there'd be a, a mixed view on that property and housing market going forward may yeah. not be as many new properties being built. Now, I noticed building approvals came out today and were down 8% or mm. something. So yeah. that's a bit of a, a lead indicator of the next uh, 6 to 12 months. But will people renovate their house a bit more and stay where they are? So you, know, you can argue for and against. Adam, yeah. what, what do you think of Beacon? Look, most brokers, uh, and, and there's a couple of brokers that cover it now. I mean, Sydney's got a price target of $1.50. Morgan's got a price target of $1.35. So look, there is some potential, mm-hmm. some uplift at $1.11 where it is today. So there is some uplift there, potential on just some price target alone. But I think it's a two-speed economy in the retail space. Yeah. And that two-speed is dinosaur department stores and online. And you know, if you don't have an answer to that online and you're still in the department store space, then you know you're going to struggle. Yeah. Um, JB Hi-Fi is probably the only exception in amongst that, but Beacon Lighting actually announced a really fantastic profit. They actually reported 38% increase in their in their overall profit for the June 30, and their like-for-like comparative sales grew 7%. So mm. it actually, like Howard said, is it is actually moving in the right direction. <coughs> But I reckon it's because it is a department store versus that online. And, and potentially they have an online business that is, is going to do well. Nick Scarley is, I guess, is mm. another uh, centre there. But they're doing, they've got fantastic margins on their right. business as well. So for me, retail is a tough space. And if it's in that department store side of things, it's a no from me. Right. I don't think it, it's something that you would do. But the, the profitability and the, and the way they've gone... Uh, it, it is moving in the right direction. But, I mean, if you saw Marley Spoon today, uh, yes. Marley Spoon is, is a, not a retailer, but, you know, it's that online business online that is delivery. just going absolutely bananas. And uh, we saw Temple and Webster yeah. earlier in the week. Kogan, and, you know, all mean, of the, that the Kogan. Go on. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, a no for Beacon Lighting there, but, but well run and, and turning a good profit uh, and, and a dividend as well. Mm. Um, Adam... So thank you for that suggestion from Alexia. Uh, David has a suggestion, um, Adam, for Meridian Energy. Now, this is basically New Zealand's biggest electricity generator and retailer. It generates uh, 35% of the, of the country's electricity. So uh, okay. Meridian? Um, so I think it, it really, I don't know too much about the stock as such. What I think it does come down to is um, uh, power generation and regulated power generation. Right. So regulated power uh, generation can go two ways. Is that one of those ways is is that basically um, that power generation can uh, do very well in a regulated environment. They've got long-term contracts and institutions like these kinds of businesses because they've got right. certainty of earnings. So they're a defensive stock. Correct. Right. And they've got certainty of earnings for the next 10, 40 years, right? So they... Instos yeah. like that because they can plan out how this business is going to move and, and any kind of increment uptick, which is very small, but it is positive earnings all the way through. Right. So that's the kind of thing that I think that this business uh, is, 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 is good for, is for that defensive part of the portfolio. I suspect, and I don't know, but I suspect that they might have some geothermal stuff in there mm. as well, which is probably because uh, it does, yeah, electricity through hydro power stations. Right, so it, it, it ticks that green uh, eco-friendly yep, box. Renewables. <coughs> so that does well also. So look, I like it because of that consistent earnings 
uh, profile and you will see um, some good volume going through that because it is part of a portfolio that you'll see a lot of fund managers right. having to then uh, keep that green light going as well as that um, as well as that uh, consistency of earnings. Okay, all right. So, yes. Is it a yes or a no? Uh, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's a yes right. for that certainty of earnings and a defensive stock. place. Okay, yes. uh, question out of, out of the blue. As you look at your portfolio, yeah. and it depends on the client, depends on their risk profile sure. and, and things like that, um, what percentage should be targeted towards defensive stocks that, that, yeah. you, that you build your rest of the portfolio on? Yeah, so uh, it's what we call strategic asset allocation. Yeah. And you would allocate for a client that um, is in the sort of a growth phase or a balance phase would be 70% growth, 30% defensive. Right. Okay. And then if then you then move there, they move into retirement, then you'd have 50% growth. 50% defensive right. and when they're in full pension phase and basically capital is the major component yeah. it would be 30% growth 70% right. defensive okay. and that's right. how you would look at it and then inside that you you breaking up that defensive into property cash fixed yep. income and all those kinds of right. things okay yeah all right so howard what do you think of meridian um as Adam says, it's it's a defensive stock and uh, got long-term contracts uh, being the biggest electricity generator in New Zealand. But being regulated has disadvantages too. Um, no New Zealand politician running the country will ever be comfortable with an electricity company having its profits rise a lot. So there's going to be constant pressure from politicians always to keep the increases in power prices low, or better still, to even decrease them. So over time, we pretty much know that they're never going to be allowed to grow enough to ever become a wealth winner. Um, so you can only look at it as a defensive stock. And seeing as its return on equity has averaged only about 5% a year uh, over the last decade, that's all you're going to get out of it is about 5%, unless you buy it when the share price has been dramatically hammered down. So um, it's not a company that uh, we would get enthusiastic about in Team Invest. Return on equity is too low. But certainly, if you're looking for something really defensive in your portfolio, could pass on that basis. Um, but uh, uh, our members tend to be more interested in investing in companies they really understand well, which makes them defensive for them, even though it may not be in a a defensive industry. So a no from me, but not because I think it's it's badly run in any way. I'm not suggesting that at all. It's just that it's going to be regulated by a government to make sure it never makes too much money. And that's not a, a, a good thing to have in your portfolio. Okay. okay. So if we look at, at defensive stocks generally, sort of it's been put to me in the past, um, Amcor, Ansel, yep. uh, APA, Definitely. those sorts of stocks would, yep. fit, would fit that. 100%. Uh, in, in a normal world, uh, Transurban or a Trans Sydney Urban, Airport yeah, yeah, would yeah. be, again, a defensive play or that sort of a infrastructure play that you could use and put clients in portfolios. Absolutely. Spark Infrastructure is another one, SKI. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, that energy play, yep. regulated yep. energy space. Yep. So yeah, that, that, that'd be a great portfolio of defensive mm. stocks. Okay, some good suggestions there. All right, that's our uh, fifth stock out of the 10 you've suggested it today. Let's do a bit of a recap with our stock of the day. Of course, stock of the day was a big four banks. 
uh, because they're being allowed by the regulator to pay out more in dividends, which is a good sign for the financial system and hopefully a good sign uh, for shareholders as well. Um, if you're looking at the big four banks on that basis with dividends, uh, CBA would be the pick of both Howard and Adam. Um, in terms of Incitec, uh, a no for Incitec. Uh, BWP, the, the Bunnings uh, Real Estate Investment Trust, it holds all, all the big Bunnings stores as its investment. Better probably to go and invest in Bunnings itself rather than, than the property. Wes Farmers, I noticed today, Fortescue overtook Wes, Wes Farmers as the most valuable West Australian company, which made mm. headlines in the West. Mm. Not sure anyone else cared, but anyhow, mm. uh, for the West Australians, you've got a new biggest company now in uh, Fortescue in terms of valuation on the market. Uh, Laser Bond, uh, a no from Howard, a hold from... Uh, Adam and sort of both of them agree to, to watch this business because it's a good little business that um, none of us have really uh, known too much about and uh, seems to be doing quite good things. Uh, a no on Beacon Lighting. Meridian um, Energy, uh, if you want a defensive stock, a yes from Adam. Um, Howard's saying it's a good business but wouldn't be that interested in it. Uh, just on a programming note coming up, our reporting season is in full swing here and over in the US as well. One of the companies that gave a fourth quarter update today was Fortescue Metals, speak of the devil, uh, who broke their record of iron ore shipments in 2020 financial year. We're joined by Chief Executive Elizabeth Gaines. That's three o'clock right here on Ausbiz and um, we'll see if she's really chuffed about becoming uh, Western <laughs> Australia's most valuable uh, valuable company. I think she'd got have bigger issues on her mind going forward. But uh, mind you, uh, those iron ore miners. Uh, amazing. Flaming heck. Uh, we, talk, oh, no. we talked about the big four banks and, uh, and being able to pay more in dividends. It is extraordinary yeah. when resource companies like Fortescue become top dividend payers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and 300 million in debt at the end of the June. Remember Fortescue three oh. years ago, four years ago, had billions and billions of and, dollars worth of debt. And making headlines, people saying that, that Twiggy was going, uh, Andrew Forrest, the yep. founder of Fortescue, was going to lose the business. Yep. And uh, that, yep, he'd had his time in the sun, but he was going down. Unbelievable. They've done a great job, oh, haven't they? Fantastic. And share price is, is, is attested to that. Yeah, exactly right. All right, let's get into our uh, second half of the call. Our six stock uh, Howard suggestion comes from Will, Coca-Cola, Amatil, the big drinks manufacturer, not so much in, um, in soft drinks, uh, but it really built it up in juices and... And, and bottled water. Yeah, and a bit of alcohol too. Um, yes, uh, the, the, the sad thing with Coca-Cola really, uh, Coca-Cola Amatil, is it's hard to see them getting significant growth in Australia. So their growth is largely dependent on Indonesia. So steady business in this country, um, probably from that point of view, be regarded by many people as defensive. Um, but growth is going to have to happen uh, really in, in one of the countries they operate in, which is New Zealand, which they're doing together with the Coca-Cola company. Now, of course, with New Zealand, uh, sorry, Indonesia, with Indonesia's large population, that's uh, a huge opportunity. But it has been really difficult to get that growing all that easily 
uh, with the many, many different islands, the population still uh, not having a huge amount of disposable income. It is growing, but the growth will come from there. And again, it's one of these companies that in 10 years, it hasn't grown its earnings. In fact, earnings today are a bit less than they were 10 years ago, earnings per share, which means, of course, not surprisingly, the share price is also lower than it was 10 years ago. So reasonably decent dividend yield, but the problem is you get no growth, and so not a company that our team invest members would be enthusiastic about. Uh, it, it, it's also got a bit more debt than we like, but it's got such steady cash flow that the debt's probably the lesser problem. The real problem is no growth in earnings. And they've been talking yep. about yep. mid-single-digit growth in earnings for years, but they never seem to achieve it. Hmm. Uh, Adam, yeah. um, I, I saw that on the one-year chart, $13 yeah. uh, at the end of January. Yeah. And now down around eight, eight and bubbling along the bottom. Yeah, everyone was getting a little bit excited back uh, with a, with potentially with a bull market that we might have had last year. <laughs> so, you know, things get bought up and, and a tide rises all boats. So, yep. you know, it, there potentially was seeing some, or they were seeing some value there. Um, I, look, the sugar thing, the sugar story has definitely hurt Coca-Cola. Yep. And they then tried to look to go to water and all these juices and things like that. Um, that has has worked to somewhat. They went to smaller cans because people weren't wanting to drink, or they went to no sugar, or they went to stevia, and they've tried. And I think their message has definitely been mixed in the overall. It's got a fantastic marketing division, and they and the brand name is is worth more. That masthead brand name is probably worth more than all of the businesses combined because everybody knows what a Coca Cola is. Yeah. But the problem is, is when I was growing up, there was always a bottle of Coca-Cola in the fridge. My children, who are 10 and 13 now, probably have never, ever tasted Coke. Yeah, okay, they might, they ask for a Fanta or they ask for something, but they, they you know, that, that business, and we are all against sugar. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I think more people working from home won't have a lunch or a takeaway lunch. They won't be going to a vending machine and they potentially won't be using a lot of Coke products going forward. So I think yep. that work from home thing, thing that work from home uh, uh, area, revolution, revo yep. evolution, revolution uh, and you know, supermarkets certainly, I think will be their only yep. real source of revenue and going forward. And also clubs and restaurants are only That's right. working at a limited yeah, sort of capacity. capacity. So look, I, I, it's a no from me on the yeah. sugar thing alone. I just think that the younger generation aren't drinking, aren't yeah. using that. Water is is fantastic, but again, then you got all these environmental concerns with all the plastic and everything else like right. that. So it's just it's it's a business that has probably uh, seen its time. Uh, it, it will have a position in potentially in somebody's portfolio, but not for me. Okay. None of my clients right. are hold it either. Okay, um, so a no, a frown um, when it comes to Coca-Cola Amatil from Howard and Adam. Um, Adam, will 300 smiles put a smile on your face? Now, this, who knew this was, this was a bit, yeah, well, basically, are they, you know, like we have lots of companies listed on that um, uh, aggregate uh, insurance brokers Correct. or pathology vets. businesses, vets. This one does dentists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, actually rallied a little bit uh, over the last coming couple of days. So potentially a little bit of buying going right. in this one. It's up 11.5% for the week. So okay. maybe uh, that, you know, um, one of the things that I did uh, notice on this one. And, and, and uh, obviously, given your oh, point right. earlier with 
a chart like that, there's very little liquidity in this as well. Correct. Would that be right? If yeah, you correct. see a chart like that where it just stays. Yes. Um, so look, you know, you would think with COVID, um, you're right, it doesn't trade a lot. So right. it just stays in there. And so you've got to be a little bit careful of that. Um, over the last sort of uh, month, it's traded 113,000 shares. So okay. like when you Fine. talk of something like a BHP or a Commonwealth Bank, yeah, it, that's, that, that's very, very small. But you would think with COVID that this thing wouldn't do so well because it's, you know, people reaching into people's mouths and this is where we've got yeah. all these mask issues and all this and kind of stuff. And in lockdown, you can't go to the dentist. Correct. Okay. But revenue was up 18% compared to last mm. year being 2019. So okay. potentially people got more time on their hands and so maybe they are going to the dentist. But for me, it, 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 yeah, it's it, it's a tough business. They are an aggregator. You're absolutely right. They, they buy, go in and dentists probably don't have a, a succession plan going forward. And when they aggregate these businesses, they go in and then they say, well, use our administration systems, use yes. our buying power. You can get cheaper this so your margins will improve. It's like franchising the... Yeah, yeah. anything, yeah. franchising the anything, yeah. absolutely. So these dentists that have been working in those businesses for 30 years or so now go, great, I've got a succession plan, I'll sell you my business, I'll work in for another two years, keep right. the business going and then I'm, I'm out. So they've been working really well to get those... That, and, and then with that buying power, they're able to reduce margins. So look, it's an interesting business. It's not one for me. Rallied over the last coming couple of days, which I can't sort of see why. Potentially, they might have a decent report uh, when they do their they did their trading update a couple of days ago. Maybe they might have a good reporting right. season. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, okay. it's not one for me. Howard, what about three hundred smiles for you? I in, fact, I in fact own this company and I've owned it for many years, and I've been watching it for uh, a few years before I owned it. And I've had to accumulate my stake in it over a relatively longish period of time because, as Adam points out, it's not very heavily traded. Extraordinarily well-run business. Um, they're not quite as simple as an aggregator as it sounds. Firstly, Daryl Holmes, the CEO, uh, is, is a huge shareholder himself and takes a tiny weenie salary, mainly lives off the income he gets from the dividends on the shares he owns, and is very, very focused on looking after shareholders' money and being a good steward. So while he gets lots of opportunities to buy other dental practices every year on behalf of 1300 Smiles, he maybe takes the opportunity with one or two out of 50 or 100 that he gets asked. The second thing is there are a huge number of dentists who no longer want to work full-time. Many of them are young women. They qualify at uh, dental school, they then want to have a family, and it suits them not to own and run a dental practice completely, and they'd like to work certain hours only. So they provide what they call seats, and the seats are available to dentists to, so to speak, I'm using my term, not theirs, to rent those seats, and they get a share of the revenue, and the dentist gets a share of the revenue. Uh, and they, they really write to their shareholders with huge information uh, every half year and sometimes in between. You really are treated the same way Warren Buffett treats his shareholders. In fact, Daryl Holm uh, writes letters that, that I've often joked with him when I've spoken to him that I'm sure he's been taking lessons from Warren Buffett in the way of the style that he informs his shareholders. So I'm an extremely happy shareholder very high return on equity, never has much debt um, because he's totally averse to debt. 
earnings growing a little bit faster than inflation. It's not going to be a super wealth winner. I mean, average earnings growth has been about 7 or 8% per annum over the last half a dozen years. So you're certainly growing it faster than inflation. And, um, and he's quite happy to turn away opportunities. Some time ago, they got yeah. offered a whole dental practices, big group. So at this and price, are you accumulating? Yeah, periodically, whenever the share price gets down uh, enough, I buy some more. And uh, yeah. it, because it's so thinly traded, if you leave an order in the system at a ridiculously low price, uh, every second or third month, some broker is selling a whole lot of stock for a client, mm. and you pick up maybe another 2,000 shares at a ridiculously low price. Right. So I've, so I've read accumulated it over years and years. Right. So at $5.30, that wouldn't be at your your order at the moment? No, my order's lower than that. But at $5.30, it's not too bad, actually, in, in terms of its okay. piggy ratio. I, anything below about uh, $6 is, is not too bad a, a price. Okay. But if you're patient, you can get it in the low fives. Okay. All right. Uh, so a tick from Howard there, and uh, who knows it and owns 1,300 smiles. Uh, a next stock suggested uh, by Sharon Howard, Data3, um, one of these um, technology businesses that um, um, is in um, platforms for consulting, procurement, managed services, um, been listed since 1997, 1,100 employees based in Brisbane. Um, throughout Australia, including Fiji as well. What do you think of Data3? Yeah, it's another one, funnily enough, that I own, and it's not a very well-known company. And it's also one that in the early years, I accumulated my holdings over quite a while because it wasn't that uh, much traded. I haven't added to my holdings for a number of years now because I already had quite a big position. But it's got very high return on equity in the 30% zero debt. I don't ever remember it having more than a teensy, weensy bit of uh, debt ever in its history. Wonderful stewards of shareholder money. Earnings have been growing a bit faster recently than they had been growing in the past, mm. mainly because software as a service means that people they sign up now earn the money for years and years, whereas it used to be they had to have the cost of a salesperson to sign them up uh, all the marketing costs year after year. Now, once they've signed up somebody, so, you know, if Westpac, for example, puts in 400 new computers in their head office uh, and they need uh, Microsoft Office on every one of those uh, 400 and they need a couple of other programs on every one of those 400, um, Data3 will supply them all those programs, gets right. a tiny little bit of money off each of the offices sold and all the other things sold, but it goes on for years and years. So it's been a great wealth winner for me in my portfolio. A uh, little bit expensive now. It's on a PE ratio of about 40, but you've been able to buy it on PE ratios of less than 12 in pretty much every year uh, that I've been following this company. So every now and then it gets really cheap. It's worth buying. It's not cheap at the moment. It's really expensive. So great business, incredibly high share price currently. Okay. All right. Uh, so a tick on a pullback. And it'd have to be a big pullback if it's going from 40 times down Absolutely. to 12 times earnings. Absolutely. Okay, Adam? Oh, look, I'll keep it short. Howard uh, knows this one pretty well. Look, uh, August the 19th, they're reporting. 
Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And they've already guided to the market that they expect another record uh, uh, mm. profit uh, for the full year. So it'll be strong into that result. Okay. So uh, no, I'll, I'll, you'll I'll, wait for that. I'll definitely wait. I'll, wait I'll, for yeah, it. I'll, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Sonic Healthcare? Um, Adam, this is... Uh, um, basically, is it Australia's biggest yeah. biggest diagnostic company? Yeah, pathology, it, absolutely. Pathology yeah. and radiology services. Yeah, look, um, it's been a fantastic story for a lot of investors, and we've been investing in this one for a long time. Uh, it, it does form part of our healthcare uh, suite of products. We've right. got ResMed, Sonic, and CSL are our sort yeah. of three top picks in that space, and uh, Sonic. Sonic Healthcare has done really, really well. So I really like it. It pays a really good dividend as well compared to a lot of these other companies in healthcare that don't pay a dividend. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I think it'll do well, um, comfortable with it. Most brokers have now got higher price targets of sort of 33 to $35. So I think it's a buy. Okay. Uh, Howard, Sonic Healthcare? Yeah, I think Adam's covered it pretty well. And uh, this is a company that for more than 20 years has been growing its earnings per share every year significantly faster than inflation. Not really incredibly fast like a, a CSL or a ResMed, but you know, somewhere around five to eight percent a, a year, generally in the fives, year after year after year, and high reasonably high return on equity, not incredibly high, uh, usually keeps its debt levels down, operates outside of Australia as well. So yeah, great business and uh, you know, at the moment it's Share price is a little bit high. It's on its uh, in the top quartile of its PE ratios. But whenever the share price uh, comes down, or the PE comes down, so the share price comes down, definitely uh, a good company tone. Okay. All right. Um, yes, good company. Share price come down. Let me throw you both a question um, without notice. CSL, because yep. it's in your. It, it was bubbling along, uh, bouncing down to the 280 mark. Then in the last week, has last dropped even day looks yeah, like yeah. it broke down, down uh, on the charting, charting wise. Yeah, down to two seventy at one stage. Correct, correct. Uh, is CSL one of those? If you if you put CSL with ResMed and Sonic yep. in your top three, and you're waiting yep. for a pullback, yep. is this a pullback for CSL? Uh, yeah, I bought some today on the right. open at 270, 271. I think this level, if it holds 270, we're okay because the next level below that is 260 and the next level below that is March 23rd, 242 right. intraday. So right. um, if this level on a technical side, if it holds this $2, uh, $2.70, $270, 70, yeah. if it holds it there, uh, yeah, absolutely, it's a buy. And it'll right. now start to trade in a trading range of around 300 to 270. So you'll be able right. to make some good money in there okay. if you're a trader and yeah. it's very liquid so you can move in and out of these things but i bought some for clients today this morning on the open at 271 i'm happy okay. yeah howard yeah great business i mean no question of that uh, probably australia's best business and uh, its share price is certainly more attractive but it's still on a pretty high pe ratio i don't think team invest members would be quite buying it now it's still in its top quartile but certainly there may be some who are because it uh, as adam points out at 270 it's not bad when it was up at 340 not that long ago, and you know yeah. it's such a great yeah. business. You yeah. know, it's the kind of thing you can own for a decade and you'll only be happy. Yep, okay, all right, uh, good tick of approval there. Um, Howard, our, our final suggestion is uh, Centuria Capital. Basically, they run a whole bunch of uh, property trusts, property funds and investment funds, um, investment bonds as well. Mm. Um, 
yeah, these property trusts are really enthusiasts in Team Invest, and uh, the reason being usually their return on equity is quite low. Now, these has been actually quite good, uh, probably one of the highest of the property trusts, but they also own through that a number of uh, shopping centres, which are, as we talked earlier, Adam pointed out, you know, so much is moving online. Um, office buildings, we're working from home. So it's not an area that uh, I'd be particularly enthusiastic about, but it is on an extraordinarily low PE ratio at the moment. So while from a long-term point of view, I wouldn't be uh, overly keen, and I don't think our Team Invest members would, um, you know, uh, it's probably not expensive at the moment compared to where it could be, but I'm a no. Okay, Adam? Yeah, look, for me, I, I'm just, it, 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 property is a, a, a tough space at the moment. Yeah. If we're looking for, you know, for property, you'd look for digital infrastructure or something like that that's in that growth area inside property. But for that sort of, and CNI runs on that sort of listed, unlisted property, yeah. it, it's quite a liquid. If, if we do mark to market a lot of their funds potentially or a lot of their property, you might see that property potentially what they bought it for is now worth less. Uh, I'm, you know, shopping malls, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. It, it does sit well in, inside a client's portfolio for that property defensive side of things, so you yep. could do it. But look, there, as I said, there's some better better property trusts yep. out there, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you've got to be careful with property at the moment, almost right across the board, don't 100%, 100%. you? 100%. All right, let's just recap on the final five stocks, Coca-Cola, Amatilla, no. 300 smiles, um, a no from uh, Adam, but... Uh, wasn't across, isn't across it because it's a bit smaller than than Shore and Partners Radar. Um, mm. But uh, Howard has invested in it for quite a while and likes it and says it's good management. Um, Data three, uh, a hold for Adam until their results uh, come out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Howard likes Data three and is invested in it. Uh, Sonic uh, Healthcare, a yes from Adam, a yes from Howard on a pullback in the. Uh, in the share price if you can get it, uh, and Centuria Capital, a no. Uh, Howard Coleman from Team Invest, always a delight to have you on the call. Appreciate your time. And likewise, Adam Dawes from Shore Empire. Thank you.